Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Do you work at a company that wants more big brands as clients? Or maybe you're a brand marketer who's had a hard time finding reliable, innovative partners. Well, from analytics and e-commerce to augmented reality and chatbots, the best vendors in today's hottest fields will be at Adweek Ignite. Taking place March 19th through 21st in Las Vegas, Ignite Mobile is the ultimate event for decision makers and solution providers alike. Visit adweek.com slash ignite to learn more and apply to attend as a buyer, sponsor, or startup. That's adweek.com slash ignite. We'll see you at Ignite, where deals get done. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad. It's the Adweek Podcast, and it is Super Bowl season. We've got a lot to talk about today. This is our annual Super Bowl preview episode. And with me as he is each week is Tim Nutt, our creative editor. Tim, always great to have you. Thanks for having me. And how long, just to set the table real quick, how long have you been uh, writing for Adweek? How long have you been covering Super Bowl? Oh, um, you know, a long time. But we've been, we haven't really been covering the Super Bowl in real time for for too long, maybe 10 years or so. Um, but been, yeah, I remember writing about it back. for like 20 years. Yeah, a while. Yeah, a while. All right, so cool. And also back, Christina Montlos, a uh, producer on the podcast, senior editor on the brand Beat, and, and uh, all around Super Bowl expert these days. Christina, great to have you back. I mean, I haven't spent as many years as Ned has uh, reporting on the Super Bowl, but in in March, it'll be four, which is a bit. Rock on. Um, I'm going to be specific because Ned is refusing to be. <laughs> uh, I, I just don't remember. <laughs> the uh, you, You've certainly been embedded deeply enough to make up for any, any lack of years. But uh, also back, a frequent writer about this all things Super Bowl, Katie Richards, staff writer covering the brand marketing beat. Welcome back, Katie. Thanks for having me back. All right. Well, we are ready to dive on in. And ironically, we've got some uh, a, a fun bit of news to start with. All 
right, so probably intentional here uh, because everything is an ad. Uh, the XFL has announced it is coming back. That This is Vince McMahon of WWE, formerly WWF fame, the wrestling magnate. Uh, he is trying again about 17 years after the failure of the XFL as an alternative football league. They are bringing it back. It's supposed to come back in uh, 2020 uh, and start up basically right after the Super Bowl. Uh, so while it's easy to think of it as a competitor with the, in the NFL, and they certainly seem to be positioning it that way, uh, it will not actually run concurrent with the NFL. Uh, it'll pick up after the Super Bowl and fill the months, uh, you know, the, when there is no football. So kind of between the the pro and college seasons. But, uh, you know, this is just, I, I have to say, one of the weirdest. So, again, we were talking about this before the show started, that uh, Katie and Christina probably were not, uh, that you know, paying close attention to this, especially from an industry perspective back in 2001. Uh, but, Tim, what do you remember uh, about the XFL? What are the first things that come to mind when you think of it? I remember it being a total bust and uh, don't really understand why they're bringing it back now. I mean, so this was 2001, you said, right? Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been almost 20 years or getting on over 15 years since it was around. I don't know. I mean, at the height of, in 2001, you know, the obviously the NFL was in a very different place than it is today. Uh, the NFL is, you know, struggling today with, particularly with the concussion and the CTE uh, situation. And, you know, I mean, of course, people love football. And, of course, it's tempting to think that the other you know, six months of the year when there is no football that, that, that it would, you know, that some kind of league could, could jump in there. But I don't know. It seems poorly timed to me to bring it back, given what the NFL is going through. And I don't think the game is, is heading toward, uh, you know, a, a, like a new renaissance or anything. I think these issues with, with the health concerns with the players are going to, you know, they're going to be even worse in the XFL because I think whether they like to say it or not, I think the XFL is going to be more sort of entertainment and, and, yeah, than than the more professional NFL. So yeah, I don't know. I it's Vince McMahon, so he's obviously trying to make a buck where he failed before, and I, I think he's going to fail again. Yeah, I mean, they certainly seem to be trying to kind of catch some wind off the protest, and uh, you know, generally Donald Trump's uh, base and his you know dislike for the NFL and for the players uh, that have protested. Uh, against police violence, against minorities, uh, and, of course, in the form of the national anthem and kneeling, uh, they have explicitly said that players will be required to stand for the national anthem uh, in the XFL. But they've dialed back some of the more salacious aspects. So it was well known at the time for having these very kind of almost gleefully violent players. They had these uh, not too stereotype but kind of strippery um you know vibe for the uh, cheerleaders they're not going to have cheerleaders this time so they're kind of embracing this like we're wholesome like we're the conservative american uh, you know alternative to this increasingly liberal uh, nfl uh, that said, like a big part of their shtick last time was, you know, it's not boring like the NFL. You know, we, we want players to really pound each other and we want to be able to, to you know, if for anybody to catch the ball and for it to be a lot more open. They started that way, and then they really dialed back the rules. Like, they changed the rules like crazy in midseason, which is something you don't normally see in sports. Mm. And so people were just confused by this whole thing. Uh, there was just a ton of weirdness. They had a lot of technical issues. Uh, I remember they, they one game ran into double overtime and delayed the start of Saturday Night Live by, like, a, an hour or an hour and a half. And it was, it was one where they had J-Lo was their star, and so Lorne Michaels was so stoked. This is going to be the best episode of SNL all year. And then it ended up 
starting at like past midnight and he, he was furious and you, you know it, when you're starting a new thing like this you don't want uh lauren michaels coming after you uh it, you know christina and katie i'm curious you know as someone who didn't necessarily watch the xfl when it was going and probably weren't paying close attention to wwe or wwf back then what what brand do you think the WWE has that Vince McMahon has that when people think, oh, Vince McMahon is behind this football league, what are people going to expect from it? Uh, speaking for the youngins, I got to say, nothing. I, no one's excited about this. Like, what? I don't know. <laughs> we don't need this. Get out of here. Like, this this seems like... I have no... My only opinion on it on this is it sounds like a terrible idea and... I don't think brands should get involved with it because it sounds like it's just going to fail again. Well, they, so you bring up an interesting point about how brands will support this. Uh, they have said we don't have any media partners. 2020 is is a, a ways away, so it's not like this thing's coming out immediately. Last time it was actually co-owned by the WWF and NBC, uh, which is something NBC is not going to be doing again. They lost something like $30 million uh, on that deal. They ended up canceling it. It had a two-season agreement. They ended up canceling it after one season. Uh, I think they, they set a record at the time for the lowest rated primetime sports event ever uh, on a major network. Uh, so this is something where I just can't imagine that the um, that the networks are really going to get behind. That said, I think the big thing that's changed is that the WWE has really been a pioneer in streaming and creating their own uh, branded streaming uh, service uh, for the WWE. And so I, I am they have not said, but they certainly seem to be implying so far that that's the route they're going to take is like, let's just go all streaming. Let's go all digital. Let's not bother with these super expensive network agreements. I'm sure they'll take one if they can get it. But, uh, you know, it just seems like something that none of the major broadcasters are really going to be hungry for. Uh, so, you know, it's certainly something we'll, we'll all be keeping an eye on. I think um, the, in a sense, I think Vince McMahon is right that there is a, a moment here. But the question, you know, as, as Tim brings up, the NFL, they've got a lot of issues. And it goes way beyond players kneeling during the anthem. You know, football's got some very serious issues. And, and you know, you're slicing a base that's already, you know, probably too small for the comfort level of a lot of broadcasters and advertisers. You're slicing it even thinner and you're trying to go for this... Uh, you know, kind of hyper-specific niche. Uh, and and there's, there's been plenty of other alternatives to football. There's arena football. There's other, you know, people have had options, and they just don't, they don't work out. So, um, well, you know, it'll be easy, I just think it would make more sense if it was a different sport. Like, we don't really pay attention to soccer all that much. And it's, like, globally, uh, you know, a sport people care about a very very passionately and I think that if it was like we were getting super into soccer or uh you know something like that I could get it cricket cricket yeah <laughs> let's bring cricket in <laughs> uh, all no holds barred field hockey I, I think uh yeah there's all sorts of things they could be doing. So, all right. Well, we will keep an eye on that. Definitely uh, look out on adweek.com. Our TV team has done a great job of covering this and uh, be interesting to see if they get any partners behind this or if the whole thing just fizzles out. I would not necessarily be surprised if this thing just quietly goes away sometime between now and 2020, but hey, who knows? All right. Well, that's it for the news. And it's time to talk about this week's ad worth watching. 
All right, Tim, kind of like last week, I feel like uh, lately there's just been one ad that has just dominated the discussion and our, and our audience's interest, uh, and this week it was most certainly Burger King. <laughs> so tell, tell us what's going on with them. Burger King, right, yeah. So Burger King and uh, David Miami, their agency, uh, have done another in-store stunt slash social experiment. I'm sure you guys remember the anti-bullying ad last year. Uh, I think it came out in November. Uh, made our 10 best ads of 2017 list um, where they uh, bullied a burger and they also had a, a high school kid being bullied and uh, they sort of gauged the reaction of, of patrons at the store. And so they've done a similar thing uh, and they've called it Whopper Neutrality. And uh, this time the cause that they're uh, digging into is net neutrality, uh, which of course is the uh, the, the regulations that the FCC recently voted to repeal uh, that prohibit uh, internet companies from, from doing things like blocking websites or having you know, fast lanes for charging more, more money for faster service, things like that. Uh, it's kind of a wonky subject. And so what Burger King decided to do was try to explain it to people uh, in simpler terms by, by replicating the experience of, of uh, not having net neutrality uh, at a Burger King. So they set up uh, a system where, whereby patrons would order and they would have to pay more to get their Whopper faster. And uh, they called it uh, Whopper uh, Mbps. Uh, Mbps normally is uh, megabits per second, uh, but in this uh, translated version, it's uh, making burgers per second. And so if you paid $4.99 for a Whopper, you got it. Uh, you had to wait for like 20 minutes to get it. If you, if you got the slightly faster, it was like $12.99. Uh, and then if you really wanted it fast, if you wanted it the way you would normally get it at Burger King, you had to pay $26 for the Whopper. And so they filmed people coming into the store completely unaware, not actors, um, ordering their burgers and, and suddenly being involved in this new system where they had to wait. Even though the burgers were ready, uh, the, the employees were actually holding the burgers in their hand and not giving them to the customers. <laughs> and it made for some pretty funny uh, footage. And, you know, unlike the, you know, the, uh, the, the anti-bullying spot where it was quite um, poignant and, and emotional, uh, this was way more sort of hostile and angry. The, the customers got super mad. Uh, maybe we could listen to a clip because some of the some of the stuff they said uh, was pretty amusing. Yeah, I don't want a chicken sandwich, Robert. I want a Whopper. Do you have any Whoppers ready that aren't? Yeah. The sandwich is ready. I'm just not allowed to actually get it to you. You can't give me the sandwich. It's ready, but you can't give it to me? Whopper neutrality was repealed. They voted on it. Whopper what? This doesn't make any sense. Fortunately, I have no other choice. Oh, my God. This is the worst thing I've ever heard of. See, like, he got the fast, and now he's getting, getting his Are you kidding me? You paid $26 for a Whopper? Yeah, he ordered it. Now he's a higher priority, so... If, Come on, guys. I got one burger, man. If you'd like... If this you'd... is a bad dream right now. I just want burger, brother. A burger! You want to pay like you. I feel like I'm going to say this is crazy. Here's what I'll do. You have the bag, and I can put it in the bag in 42 seconds. Hold on. 10, 10 seconds. So this got an enormous amount of attention. You know, to me, it kind of brought back the old Whopper freakout, uh, which was something that CPB did for, for Burger King about a decade ago, where people would show up, and they also had hidden cameras rolling. And they pretended to, to not be making the Whopper anymore. And that got very similar kind of reactions. Although here, 
Uh, people are way more angry. A lot, uh, several of the folks start cursing at the employees. Uh, a group of young men uh, seem sort of ready to attack the uh, the employees. I was surprised it didn't sort of, you know, get, like veer into violence quickly. I don't know. Maybe it did. They certainly cut that out if it did. But um, I don't know. It got a ton of attention. Obviously, net neutrality is a topic that's of great interest to people on the internet. So this was sort of a tailor-made uh, viral spot kind of waiting to happen. And yeah, it's gotten uh, millions of views um, since it since it was released earlier this week. And you know, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. It's I, I sort of enjoyed creatively. I thought the uh, the the anti-bullying spot was maybe a little bit more compelling, but uh, the reactions in this are kind of priceless. I think those people are actors, and I think they're lying, and I don't believe them. Other than that, I very much enjoy this whole little little bit that they have going. But those people are actors and bad actors at that. So when they say when they say actual guests, you mean they might have been guests, but they were paid guests yes. who were actual actors. Well, yeah, I mean, anyone right. who walks through the door is a guest. I, I, I think that it's the classic David mix of pre of, of placed. I mean, there's some obvious plants in this thing, right? Like one guy actually bought the $26 Whopper. And that's obviously just so that someone can walk up to the front and grab their Whopper in <laughs> front right. of everybody. And they're like, and the, I do believe that the lady's real who said, wait, did you really pay $26 for a Whopper? <laughs> like, I think a lot, I think a lot of the folks here are real, actually. I don't think, I think some of them are, seem, I mean, if they are actors, they are, they're decent actors, several of them, because they actually seem legitimately pissed off and, and like confused. I do not buy that the older bald guy is real because he has the most laughably fake like this is the craziest thing i've ever heard like like, he that's the one line where you're just like oh they shouldn't have included that one because he's believable up till then and then he's just like does everything short of looking at the camera and (laughs) winking (laughs) that would have been good too but but i mean we've talked about this in the past with 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 uh with bo- a lot of these concepts David comes up with, um, and, and you know there have been many, uh, you know require a certain amount of faking. And, and I always think back to when we interviewed, I think Think Moto, the agency that does a lot of those real supposedly real stunts. Um, you know, like the they did, of course, the uh, the w- w- telekinetic woman in the coffee shop. That was a, a preview for. Um, uh, Carrie remake. Uh, you know, I remember they had a quote in one of our stories where they said, the only thing that has to be real is the safety. Uh, you know, and the, everything else is kind of up for storytelling. Like, and this was a good example of that where a lot of the commentary on Reddit and other places was like, oh, that, that one guy looks fake, but no one's arguing that the point isn't made effectively. Uh, so they they have their cocktail of real and fake, and I, I think it seems to work for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it interesting too that they're tying it into causes like net neutrality like anti-bullying you know the cpb stuff from a decade ago was just purely about selling burgers right i mean there was no larger point than that uh but here you also you know you rope in people who are activists in these areas and it kind of helps you know it helps spread the word i think that's an interesting strategy it's an interesting strategy but it also makes sense when you consider like fast food brands are in a difficult position right now where we're all constantly talking about, you know, how things are unhealthy. We have to be eating better. And so if they were like solely pushing burgers, I I think, 
I don't know. I, I think it helps them to talk about these other issues because then you have people watching a Burger King ad, uh, but it's about net neutrality. And so you're thinking about Burger King and net neutrality instead of just Burger King is bad for me, but I want it because French fries. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I think I prefer this approach over the 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 other real common thing right now which is brands just kind of injecting themselves into the conversation and social media in these very like like fleeting ways you know of this mm-hmm. I'll, tw- I'll tweet a joke about this hashtag or about this whatever and this is one where they obviously have to be a little more selective and go all in uh, on this stuff i i also like that they included a um uh, you know, a line in there where they said that oh, Burger King corporate is doing this because they want to sell more chicken sandwiches. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can you can have a chicken sandwich right now, but if you want a Whopper, you'll have to wait and you'll have to buy this. And I thought that was kind of a nice little. It, it gets lost a little bit in the in the rest of the metaphor, but I thought that was kind of funny because a big argument about net neutrality is that they're going to favor what they want to favor, and they're going to you know they're going to s- throttle the rest. Uh, so they included a lot of of little kind of subtle aspects of the debate, and, and I like that they included people. People trying to describe net neutrality, like people, you know, man on the street and stuff, where people are like, eh. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, that. I think it's pretty clever how David manages to kind of weave in the, you know, the, um, the the Burger King brand promise, you know, like the have it your way thing. I mean, it would it would be it'd be one thing if you know the the Burger King didn't have any kind of uh, brand message to, to deliver that was similar to what net neutrality is advocating you know like i mean yes it's it's sort of tacked on a little bit but it, it kind of works and it works with the anti-bullying thing too like everyone should be mm-hmm. the same you know no one should be uh it's like the whole have it your way thing like you know it's about the customer the customer should have what he or she wants and not be you know bothered or whatever yeah i think it works pretty well all right well thank you tim for wrapping up this week's ad worth watching definitely check that out on adweek.com and check out our creativity section that tim oversees uh, lots of good coverage every single day and now it's time to move on to the biggest ad event of the year the super bowl all right so like i said we got a lot to talk about um First, uh, before we dive into the specific spots of which we have uh, quite a bit of info, I'm just curious, uh, you know, Katie, Christina, you guys have really been neck deep in covering this stuff. Do you have a sense so far of which ads are going to be the ones that really get people talking for better or worse? All of the ads we've seen (laughs) were not, um, (laughs) you know... No, none none of the ads we've seen... I'm trying to put this down. You just say it. Just say it. They suck. Yep. That's it. They suck. They suck. The ads suck so far. Yeah. I feel like they (laughs) range between sucking and just being forgettable and and inoffensive. (laughs) I think that's the best you can say about them. Uh, Okay. So what about themes? Have we noticed any themes this year? Bringing surprise back to the Super Bowl. People are – I feel like – I feel like this is the year where ad ad folks were like, you know what? Movie uh, distributors are not letting critics see the movies uh, until the same day. They don't want that bad Rotten Tomatoes score. And this is the ad version of it because we're getting so many spots that are like, nope, can't talk about this until the day. I feel like that's oh. that's the thing. That's kind of a welcome thing, though, I would say. Oh, happy to have it. I think so, yeah. too, yeah. yeah. 
Because I feel like in the last few years, it's gotten to the point where, like, one, you've seen all the ads multiple times before the game actually happens. So then what's the point of watching the Super Bowl when you've seen everything already? It's just not as fun. And, like, I feel like the Super Bowl is the one time when a lot of people actually want to sit and see the ads. And you kind of lose that experience when you've seen them all already. So... I am happy about this. I think it's a good move for people to just release them on the day. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I feel like strategically it's short-sighted, though, in the sense that, you know, one lesson we saw all the way back to um, The Force, you know, the little Vader ad uh, for, for Volkswagen, is that releasing early uh, makes a big difference in terms of your total views. I remember, I think, that year and the subsequent years, we really looked at the ads that came out a week early uh, or, or sometimes even more so. And, man, they just got, like, millions and millions more views than the ones that debuted the day of, you know. So I think in, in terms of the moment, the experience, yes, but in terms of feeling like you got your money's worth, I would, as a brand, I would be much happier if my ad had, like, 10 million views when all was said and done versus having 1 million, but we had the surprise of, of airing on the day. Yeah, I mean, we're also talking about this, you know, we're 10 days out from the game still, and I think a lot of ads will come out next week. Um but uh, but I do agree that there seem to be you know more brands uh, waiting until the till the game day, which you know I mean yeah I think you're right like if you look if you dig deep into the data but all these companies are certainly digging into the data and then a lot of them are choosing wait yeah. I think there is something to the element of surprise that's uh, that brings a bit of value now what? more social chatter yeah 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 I mean if that's valuable but also but who knows? but also kind of buried you know buried amidst all the others you know it's it's Everything gets kind of thrown into the same discussion uh, when it's all airing on the night of. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, one thing we have not talked about in our previous so – we, we've done some Super Bowl wrap-ups uh, in previous weeks. We're going to try not to cover too much ground we've already gone over. But one thing we have not talked about is Justin Timberlake's halftime performance. Uh, the halftime show obviously is a, a pretty big deal each year. Uh, in some years they've gone for the five or six different performers. This year they seem to be going kind of all in on Justin Timberlake, although, you know, some years – these other folks turn up anyway. Christina, I, I have a hunch, but I don't know for sure your take on this. But uh, what, do, what do you think of uh, How do you think this one's going to go? I think it's offensive to Janet Jackson. I, I, I was going to be I disappointed bringing, if you did not say that. <laughs> bringing, bringing back JT, who claims he has apologized to Janet and that everything is fine with them. I do not believe you. Um, but bringing back JT, oh, man. I don't know. And his whole like man man of the woods <laughs> shtick. Um I I don't know. I feel like there are a bunch of performers who have like, you know, um co-opted hip hop culture, made like a lot of money off of that, and now they're like, "Oh, um you know, we're we're going uh, for the middle of the country, I'm I'm gonna be like a f- faux country star now. Feels very weird, and I understand it might be a trick because there's like a whole video where have you seen? Have you guys seen the first Justin Timberlake video out? It's like him, and um, he's he's pretending to be Steve Jobs. It's <laughs> There's like dancing robots for the song Filthy. I am interested to see what he's going to do. I don't like JT. I don't like his vibe. I think the fact that he was wearing a Time's Up pin and then tweeted a picture of his wife, uh, Jessica Beale, being like, 
he was like, time's up. Also, look, my wife is hot. He just seems so, like, tone deaf in everything that he does. And um, I, I guess I guess we're going to see some tone deaf JT. I personally hope he debuts his song Flannel off his new album. I'm very, very excited to hear what that song sounds like. Um, that's just me personally. But, I mean, if you if you think back to, like, the jet, like maybe I see it as kind of strategic because there's like a whole demographic of like people my age, millennial people who grew up with JT like in uh, sync, and then you know his Crimea River stage. Like he has some like good hits, and I feel like Christina m- might disagree with me, but I. I could see it being really strategic to getting like a certain demographic to tune in to watch the halftime show because he has a huge following. He might be a sleazy human being underneath it all, which he probably is, but he's got some hits. So like I could see it being, you know, a big production. He did. He did have that whole thing where like Greta Gerwig wrote him a letter to get a song in Lady Bird and. You know, um, I I did appreciate that whole bit of it, but that has very little to do with him <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's a small portion. Yeah. I thought Donald. I thought Donald Trump Jr. was the man in the woods wearing the flannel. <laughs> I mean, if if it's a whole joke about that, I would be super into it. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and put my five dollars on the long odds bet that Janet Jackson does come out during this uh, performance, just because I think that would be just one of those moments that would that would I don't use the phrase break the internet very lightly, but that one would uh, if it happened, it would certainly uh, be make the whole situation worthwhile. Otherwise, it does seem kind of weird that yeah, this guy who like rips uh, rips a woman's uh, clothes off and then she ends up taking the fall for it and he gets to come back to the Super Bowl. Uh, no matter how manufactured that original incident was, that's a gross message to send. All right, well, let's move on to the spots. Uh, Christina, I want to talk Eminem. You have been embedded deeply in Eminem's. Last year, we sent you down to the Budweiser shoot, which was an epic biographic story of uh, the the Anheuser-Busch origin story. This time, very different, uh, and you didn't have to go quite as far. So tell us uh, tell us what you were doing with Eminem. Sure. Um, yeah, I went to, uh, I mean, I did have to go farther. Actually, um, last year I went to New Orleans. This year I went to um, Los Angeles, and um, they had a uh, a back lot. It was the New York lot of um, Paramount Studios. They did a shoot that was over twelve hours with Danny DeVito, where they shot uh, a fifteen second teaser, a um, thirty second spot. And then um, another 15-second spot that will air later in the year. Um, so they really used DeVito as much as they could during a one-day shoot. Um, it was weird. DeVito is very funny. Uh, he's the kind of performer who makes... Like, he's just trying to make anyone and everyone around him laugh. But he's also... Um, you know, he, like, taught the social team while they were shooting content for uh, Eminem's social channels. He, he like made a point of teaching them what the different like shots look like. He was like, is this a cowboy or is this a Montana? And I guess a cowboy shot is the one where you can see the gun. Had no idea. Happy to learn that. Um, you know, it was, uh, and they stuck him in a pool of brown sludge of some sort um, that, 
eventually if you if you've seen the teaser it looks like chocolate it did not that day and uh you know he wriggled around in it you know so the the plot of this ad is that the red M&M, which has been voiced by Billy West for many years, uh, suddenly becomes human after finding a lucky penny, and uh, and his human form is of course Danny DeVito. Uh, now this is not a permanent change, right? Billy West isn't losing the part. No, no. Okay, this is cool. this is a one and done situation. Well, it's like a. Th- like a three and done because it's the <laughs> teaser the yeah. spot and then the other spot you'll see later but no it's it's not a permanent thing it's just you know they've never turned any of their spokes candies into a human before and they just loved that idea and personally i liked seeing them execute that idea because when you really think about it it is weird as hell and like you're actually getting into like the idea that a candy has you know some sort of existential dread about being eaten by people and that there's this like sense of relief when he turns into a human that oh okay people aren't going to eat me anymore so then it's like not just existential dread but then he's running around asking people whether or not they want to eat him so then it's a story of cannibalism and to have a brand like M&M's take on, you know, what it means to be alive, what it means to be eaten and what uh, and, and cannibalism. I, you know, I got to say, I'm interested now. I know that most people watching this on the day are probably not going to be like, you know, I'm really feeling, you know, em- empowered to live my life to the fullest because I'm not, you know, something that somebody wants to eat. That That's probably not going to be the thinking. It's going to be more, oh, hey, there's Danny DeVito. If I'm a fan of It's Always Sunny, oh, look at him. He's doing something weird. Makes sense. Into it. I totally see that. There's physical comedy. It's got, it's got. So on the one hand, it's a very simple ad in the big scheme of what happens. But there's, there's some interesting strategic thoughts behind this. Uh, you know, setting aside Danny DeVito's casting. Uh, you know, you talk about in your story that Eminem's having. You know, they've had a really big year that they, the branding grew about 10 percent over 2017, which seems bonkers. You also mentioned that chocolate consumption has been in decline for the last 10 years and sugar in general. What do they credit that growth over the last year for M&Ms to? Innovation, product innovation, having more things inside the the shell, you know, that'll, I guess that'll get people to eat more. And um, anecdotally, caramel, I've been eating them. I don't normally pick up M&Ms, but I like the caramel. That came out. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretzel M&M guy. Katie, do you have a... A preference. I'm I'm a peanut butter M M&M and M fan. Oh, those are good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, caramel's good too, though. I've had those. Those are those are worth the taste. None of them are horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's their, exactly. That's they their slogan. Good. None of them are horrible. <laughs> so when is this ad actually coming out? Oh, on Monday with us, and then on the Today Show. Yeah. So by the time you listen to this, uh, we will have debuted uh, that ad, and it'll be available on Adweek.com. Uh, the I have to admit, so two other little nice touches that were in your story. Uh, there's a cameo by YouTube star Todrick Hall, uh, which is just kind of, a, as you d- blatantly say in the story, that's one of those like, hey, if you don't care about Danny DeVito, it, you know, and you're under the age of 15, you can at least see, be like, hey, look at that. TH, Todrick Hall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And uh, and then, of course, the most baffling part of your story is that M&M, individual M&Ms are called lentils. Yeah. I got to tell you, like being on set and talking to all these people, the one of the craziest things about M&Ms is like BBDO has worked on the brand f- since the mid-90s, you know, the animation house that has worked on the brand has worked on the brand since the mid 90s so you're talking to all these people who have worked on m&ms for so long that the way that they talk about things and their their processes they're just like this is natural this is normal calling an m&m a lentil is so strange but that's what they call it it's i mean it's similar in shape to lentils i guess yeah but they're just so different like here let me just grab this lentil but yeah. it's an M&M. Yeah, yeah, they should they should update it. Call it a quinoa. Oh, gross. <laughs> each, each one is a quinoa. Each individual Skittle is called a quinoa. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about more. Avocados from Mexico uh, is back with Chris Elliott, um, which, you know, okay, let me start with Tim. When I say Chris Elliott, what do you think of? I think of uh, the man under the stairs with, from Letterman uh, and also something about Mary. Huh. Okay, I I think of uh, Get a Life, uh, his his TV show from the '90s, uh, which was kind of probably his I would guess his career high watermark back when he was the star of an entire TV show that that didn't last. But uh, Katie Christina, does Chris Elliott have any kind of awareness brand um, value? I I remember him from his How I Met Your Mother arc where he played Lily's father, and I hated every That's single right. episode that he was in. Um, so for me, I'm just like annoyed to see him, but but also I think this avocados from Mexico ad seems way too similar to last year. Yeah, they did the same thing with John Lovitz. Yeah, like almost so exactly the same. I wonder how like present he's going to be, or if he's actually going to be present in the actual spot because they. I feel like last year they did the similar thing with like their teaser and then he only appeared in like a hot second of the ad so i wonder how much yeah chris elliott will like actually yeah. be in this spot yeah they did that secret society right last yeah. year and they briefly mentioned subliminal advertising which is where john lovitz showed up chris elliott's never had a hot second in his life um <laughs> <Ouch. the> <laughs> so <laughs> chris elliott's funny i think chris elliott is actually really funny he's one of those like really weird subversive kind of you know, comedians, and I don't know how we got thrown into something like uh, Farrelly Brothers and all that, but yeah, I'm interested to see what they do. Hopefully, hopefully he'll actually be in the ad. You know, he embraced being like John Lovitz. He embraced being annoying and and just kind of one of those people who just keeps coming around. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, it's an interesting choice. I agree that he probably won't play a big role. I think that the biggest teaser in the teaser is that when it shows an arrow pointing to a biodome. You know, there's like a little inset screen, almost like he's a newscaster, and there's a picture of some kind of biodome with an arrow pointing at it. So I, I'm guessing that's their hint of what the ad is actually going to be about. Uh, or you know, wait, was Chris Elliott in Biodome the movie? <laughs> Good question. That's, that's certainly in his oeuvre, but I, I don't don't think so. I don't remember him in the Hollywood hit Biodome. Um, all right, well, let's uh, before we 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 leave this let's listen for those who don't remember who chris elliott might be let's listen to just a little bit of that scintillating monologue is your life just terrible i know how that feels (laughs) i'm chris elliott and i'm a big time hollywood actor i don't know who you are but you deserve more more beauty (laughs) more joy (laughs) and more avocados from mexico on more things spread the avocado 
avocados on everything. You can have it all. <laughs> that's me telling you. You can take it from me. Avocados from Mexico. All right, so that's Chris Elliott for Avocados from Mexico. I've actually really enjoyed Avocados from Mexico. I'm, I'm really glad they've stuck around as a uh, as a sponsor. I think they're spots from GSDNM, which is you know a great agency that doesn't get a lot of attention. Um, so you know, I, I I really enjoy that the fact that they've become a an ongoing advertiser in the Super Bowl. But let's talk about one of the weirder ones uh, this year. Uh, Mountain Dew Doritos going to be doing a combo spot together to announce new flavors. It was already a little strange with Peter Dinklage and Morgan Freeman facing off in some kind of duel. I don't know a rap battle. Who knows? And uh, and then now that it's gotten even more complicated, we've got Missy Elliott and Busta Rhymes are also going to be in it with them. Katie, whoa, I'm what's your take on this one? really excited for this ad. <laughs> um, not, just mainly because of Missy Elliott and Busta Rhymes. That's really all I'm tuning in for. Um, I think it's. I think it may be some kind of rap battle. I think you're right. Um, but I just I can't see how it would be bad if Missy Elliott's in it. She's amazing. Yeah, she is great. Buzz, and I love Buster Rhymes. Like, I, I, I think it could either be a train wreck or it could end up being the only celebrity mashup that actually accomplishes anything. I do think they're trying to accomplish way too much. Like you're introducing two new flavors. You've got four actors. I mean, it's, you know, four performers. It's, it's a lot. Christina, you, what's your excitement level on this one? Uh, muted. Um, I, you know, <laughs> Peter Dinklage, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I like him a lot. I love Morgan Freeman. Missy Elliott, if she is only in like a hot second of this ad, I'm going to be really mad. Like sh- she, she needs to have a, a, a prime time slot for it. Remember you know. when she was on the halftime show with Katy Perry and totally upstaged Katy Perry a couple of years ago? Yeah, it was yeah. so good. That was yeah. so good. I, I remember I, I tweeted from Adweek like, oh, good, the talent's here. <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of, bunch of people got pissed. I was like, yes, trolling has succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, so Lexus uh, has, has debuted their full ad. Uh, it stars Black Panthers Chadwick Boseman, uh, and that is literally the entire ad. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. He is in Black Panther costume. He jumps through the sunroof into the car, um, and then he arrives somewhere. He's got a banging scarf. I, I mm-hmm. like his scarf. That's, <laughs> That's true. I mean, highlight. Chadwick Boseman is a good-looking man. He looks good. Uh, I mean, this is the definition of a safe strategy, right? You, t- you know, tie in with the year's most, you know, anticipated film. And then you just do a bunch of kind of not even that cool stunts or visual effects, and that's it. Yeah, I'd just like to mention that I was watching the ad earlier, and he's in the car, and it shows the speedometer, and I'm pretty sure he's going like 45 miles per hour. And I'm like, really, guys? Like, this is not, you're supposed to be making this car look appealing speed. and fast? Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's prowling. I don't know. Yeah, it's... Yeah, so well, you know, he's a great actor. I think the movie's going to be fantastic, but uh, yeah, you know. I, and by the way, I just have to say one of my favorite podcast moments was I think the first time I was not on the podcast, and some Lexus thing came up, and Christina, I think uh, I I can directly quote her said, you know, what kind of horrible person drives a Lexus? Mm-hmm. I, I, Still stands. I drive a Lexus, uh, so it was. <laughs> it was entertaining uh admittedly i bought it used from my dad and it's a hybrid but whatever still alexis so i do have to live with that all right um 
Febreze uh, is introducing us to Dave, a man whose bleep don't stink, which I guess is shit. Um, the, the I don't know. I'm curious to get you guys' take on this. I think the delivery is very dry. It's this faux documentary style about a guy named Dave who's, you know, who who's poop doesn't stink. And the joke at the end is like, Dave's not at your Super Bowl party, so use Febreze, um, which I think is actually a pretty good payoff for that setup. But no. And I would just like to point out that Katie had to deal with the actor of this of this spot coming into our office. And uh, do you do you want to so tell me about this? The actor, um, Dave, the guy who plays Dave in this ad, he's um, his name's Kieran something. I'm terrible. I don't know his last name. He was it. He's been in Jessica Jones and Gotham, um, and he came into the office to I assumed do an interview about like the Super Bowl ad and like what it was like working for the Super Bowl and working for for Breeze um he would not break character the entire time he was here and would not answer a single one of my questions so I was like so Kieran like why do you want to be in a Super Bowl ad and he was like well my name's Dave and I'm like no I don't want to talk to Dave I want to talk to you it was terrible i'm talking to the person inside reagan right now (laughs) (laughs) oh no that is one of your best lines in the history of this show that was a slow burn i was like reagan and then i finally got it and was like oh yeah this ad's gonna need uh, an old priest and a young priest uh man katie that that is so weird it was I, I it's the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a meeting. It was so bizarre. And he the character if you've seen the ad is like he talks like he's a 12-year-old. Like there's something just off about the character and like that was exactly what I got when he came into the office and it was just so bizarre. Well, so it's not like there's much depth to the character. I mean, he's very two-dimensional. Some might even say number two-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Ugh, gross. Yes. Gross. Gross. <laughs> but <Ba-dum, bum. laughs> okay so um anyway i i think the moving on i think it's it's maybe a little too subtle of an ad for super bowl parties that's something i always i always wonder if copy driven ads are are almost wasted it's like that bob dylan ad you remember that where just man there's a lot of words packed into that thing and it was kind of quiet of course because it was bob dylan it's just like anytime you you put too many words in a super bowl ad um but uh yeah, you know, it's like I said, it's a good payoff better than the actual ad sitting sitting through that. Uh, Pringles, I'll just go ahead and mention because we joked about it last time and I did not express a lot of enthusiasm for Bill Hader. Uh, and uh, the, the ad is out. Um, what do you get? Sucks. Yep. No, it's, it sucks. I mean, it's it's worse than the low bar I had I had set in my mind for what it even could be. It's literally Bill Hader and some dudes at the craft services table during a shoot eating Pringles. And and th- I thought they were going to go through, I was actually mildly interested in like, oh, are they going to have like five or six different combinations? Like put this on this and you get this. No, it's one. It's one set of pr- Pringles. Yeah. And then the- well, it's it's one, but it's also like if you're watching the ad, it's like a making of the ad situation, which is completely uninteresting. Like if you're if you're gonna do a behind the scenes sort of thing, at least make it interesting. But then it, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm watching it, and it's all just like a bunch of dudes who kind of look like 
jo- Jonah Friedlander, the guy from 30 Rock, who always had the hats with the, you know, the stuff on it. And then, like, some Tim and Eric type dudes. And it just seems like a representation of what everyone thinks advertising is and, like, everything that's wrong with it because all of those are, like just a bunch of white dudes who seem like stoners who are think something's very funny and it's not and then like that's what the ad is and then clearly that had to be what the team behind the ad was because it's it's unfunny it's just unfunny yeah the jokes just don't work at all yeah i I mean like talk about it It just looks so budget like it just it looks like like how can we spend the least like like someone was laundering money uh making this ad like i (laughs) Anyway, um, okay, speaking of ads that, um, I I don't know about the expectation level, Groupon uh, finally released its, uh, well, not finally, I mean, they've released their Tiffany Haddish ad. Uh, This one we talked about quite a bit last time, so I just wanted to kind of see. I I would point out it's got kind of the requisite physical comedy, a rich, old, bitter man who hates local businesses gets hit, unfortunately, in the stomach, not in the groin, which would have maybe been a little too on point. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, just... The it it almost felt GoDaddy esque or or Pringles or, or I mean Doritos esque I, I don't know it's it went in a direction I did not expect from this ad considering our conversation last week about the origin story of this thing being this very cool fun moment and then now it's just like if you support local businesses you should support Groupon which I don't know how accurate that is because a lot of Groupon stuff is just like you know fifty percent off Swiffers you know it's. <laughs> Yeah, I think this one's a serious letdown, just as you said, like the story behind Tiffany and like her experience with Groupon, like I was so excited for this ad and like she's just such a funny person and they didn't even like use her appropriately, like she didn't even get to tell any funny jokes, like the joke they're trying to tell is so lame and like it's just, it's just so easy like it, they didn't even try like the concept of just like oh we're gonna go and kick this guy in the stomach with a football like ha ha that's funny he gets hurt it's like not use your talent appropriately <laughs> yeah and and it just seems as though it had to be a very like client-led creative idea because I just can't imagine an, any agency would be like you know what it's just gonna be Tiffany Haddish walking down a street and cut to this like terrible scene and then cut back Like, it's just lame. Well, we have lots more lameness uh, for you to check out on adweek.com, on our Super Bowl ad tracker, and hopefully uh, in the days after this podcast goes live, we'll actually get some good ads. Uh, It'd be nice. I mean, I'd say some have been fine. Again, the the best ones have been kind of inoffensive, but we have certainly not had that, uh, you know, that Honda Ferris Bueller moment or much less a Volkswagen Force moment. Just that ad that comes out where not only do you watch it in advance and people engage with it, but you actually get excited to see it when it comes up. Uh, For now, it's just a lot of like, "Eh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's still a lot of advertisers, pretty big ones, uh, you know, waiting in the wings. You know, we don't know what Coke's going to do. Hulu, Hyundai, uh, you know, Toyota has a couple spots in the game. You know, TurboTax might be interesting. I mean, there's a bunch, you know, of of potentials, but nothing. Yeah, dilly dilly. Be interesting to see where that goes. 
All right. Um, so check out Adway.com. Check out our Super Bowl ad tracker. You can Google that and keep up to date. Uh, and uh, real quick, we've got uh, you can email us at podcast at adweek.com. We've got a question, a few questions uh, for this episode. And I just real quick wanted to cover one. Uh, this is for Tim. Uh, Britt Chester asks, what is the most expensive commercial slot ever purchased that had the lowest viewership during the Super Bowl? I don't think viewership has really changed, but I think what he's really asking is is like which Super Bowl ad was the biggest waste of money? Uh, any come any, any come to mind for you? <laughs> oh, I've, waste of money. Um, gosh, you know there, there was the Mercedes one a few years ago where they had uh, Willem Dafoe and Kate Upton. I think they had two other celebrities, and it was like a two minute buy, and the production on it must have been about ten million just to make it talent fees they must have spent 20 to 25 million dollars on this single commercial and i can't believe that that was worth them yeah it had a rolling stone soundtrack right it also had uh, a stone soundtrack yeah so all the licensing fees and the talent fees and the production costs and the just the media buy time i believe it was two minutes it might have been a 90 but i think it was a 120 and yeah i mean that was just like that's the most lavish thing i've ever seen and and uh, you know i'm not sure if super bowl ads are worth the money anyway but that one would it would have been tough to, I, I, to you know i can't remember the year but there was a year where a bunch of like small startups uh i don't know if this goes all the way back to 2000 there's this notorious like dot-com era of super bowl ads where none of those companies even still exist anymore and their ads were all like ridiculous and stupid um but you know there were several that were like 15 seconds of animation with black eyed peas and just weird stuff where you're like, I have no idea what just got advertised. That whole set of years was really confusing. Um, but I think, you know, more recently I'd say Groupon in terms of really wasting the money in the sense that they created a PR disaster for themselves. Uh, so, you know, yeah. topical now that they're coming back. But. David, I also wanted to mention, um, speaking of Super Bowl ads, um, I spoke to Jerry Graff a, a couple of days ago, yesterday actually, and we recorded a podcast uh, a bonus episode that we're going to roll out uh, later this week, probably on Wednesday, uh, where, where Jerry talks all about his experience making Super Bowl commercials. He's made about 10 of them. He talks about E-Trade Monkey. He talks about the very first one he did. He talks about the GoDaddy uh, problem that he had with the GoDaddy ad a couple years ago that, that ended up getting pulled. Um, so tune in for that um, bonus episode. It's pretty fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Katie. Always great to have you guys. And keep close eye on adweek.com. And be sure you're following us on Twitter at Adweek uh, during the Super Bowl. Lots of, lots of commentary, lots of uh, coverage on the day of, especially. Uh, all right. Well, our theme music is by home. This episode was produced by Christina Monlos and edited by Josh Rios. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Josh. Please take a moment, if you haven't already, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. That means a lot to us and helps new audiences discover the podcast. I'm David Greiner with Adweek, and we will be back next week. Don't forget to visit adweek.com slash ignite to learn about our incredible event coming up in Las Vegas, March 19th through 21st. Whether you run an innovative company with brand clients or you're a marketer looking for better tools, Adweek Ignite offers the perfect blend of networking and insight. That's adweek.com slash ignite. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming, 
to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.